Welcome, welcome to Totally Blitz Podcast. Today we're breaking down UFC London Aspinall versus Tibera. And as always, go down, like, and subscribe, comment your picks on this card and your bets for tonight. As always, these are your hosts. I'm Paul Pickle and Fancho. I'm always joined with. You already know, man. It's your boy Kev. Water Boys Roy, aka the Dom PYU, always known as the realest motherfucker on your screen. And Powell, we got some breaking news before we even talk. Any MMA cards, matches, matchups, styles, and weight classes. There's some crazy shit going down right now. I already know. Sad oh, Man, my dog. See, my dog. See, it was crazy when I voted him for Hood Nigga of the Year. Cause I just fucked with him. I literally created an entire um, award just so I could vote him for it. And then he won the lightweight heavyweight championship belt after I rooted against him versus Gover. My dog Jamal Hill had to relinquish relinquish the belt because of an injury, which is a ruptured Achilles. And probably one of those crazy shit about it. So like niggas is talking cash cold shit, right? Because everybody, because it looks like it looked like Jamal was just waiting for um, Yuri to come back and they were gonna fight it out type shit. But he's popping up everywhere all the time, and now they're showing that he was on. Um, they're showing pictures and stuff of him. He looks like he's out of out of shape. And I'm like, out of shape, bro. Just bro's a fucking fighter. Like you used to him cutting a lot of fucking water weight. But bro did put on some pounds and shit in the off season. He's chilling. He's popping up, living his best life, dancing and shit. But they're saying that the Achilles uh, injury may have partially happened during um UFC fight um international fight week. When there was a basketball game between, um, like I think Coach DC and I can't remember who was the coach on the other team, but Jamal Hill was a part of that, so they think he might have partially injured and stuff there. And then they said that he um ended up sitting out though and stuff like that, and then read and then tore it completely when he motherfucking um um was at practice was training and shit. So I was like, damn. But if you watch that interview. My boy looked hurt. Like, you can really see it on his face. Like, this is not what he wanted to do. Yeah, no, definitely, like, because I was one of his biggest haters on, like, where he has so many holes in his game. He'll never be a title guy. And he definitely proved me wrong last year when he beat Glover. Beat him pretty, like, bad. Beat him. This year, in January. Oh, it was this year? Damn, it's been a while. But, yeah, that was – and he became champion of the world. And, uh – like, for him to tear his Achilles, because, like, shit, bro, like, Achilles is something that you, you might not come back the same. Like, basketball players tearing Achilles, they, you don't ever know what happens. So. Niggas like Kobe, um, DeMarcus Cousins, like, KD, like, star players have had to change the way they play because, well, maybe not KD too much, but star players have had to change the way they play because of motherfucking an Achilles injury. Yeah, and you, then you always have the mental aspect on, like, when you put that foot on the ground, are you mentally able to like put all your pressure on that foot without like that little split second of like fear or th- especially in the cage where you can't have that split second? Like this could really affect his like everything going forward, and I really hope not because he he was the he proved me wrong. When you prove me wrong, I'm gonna root for you afterwards. So I dead ass unless your name is um Islam Makachev, but um you a hater. This, this motherfucker Jamal Hill is him. I respect it. He did everything what he did. And I know this injury can really fuck you up, but I think he's coming back with a mindset 
of I got to get back. I was blessed to be in my position. Now I'm going to show y'all that I've earned this shit. So I think when he comes back, he'll probably be in the title contention. But I think if it's not immediately, I think Jamal Hill will hold that a light heavyweight title right again because there's not that many hitters for him. They were, talking, they were talking about putting Johnny Walker, like Johnny Walker's like second or third in line for the fucking um, title. And it's like, Johnny Walker was a man beater when he got here. We don't know. And he was a bum like last year and people were calling him. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is this division is just cursed though. Everybody keeps talking about how like since John Jones vacated the belt in 2020 after his controversial win against Dominique Reyes, well, after his last fight in 2020, motherfucking Jan got it, defended it once, lost to Glover. Glover got it, lost to Yuri. Yuri got hurt, vacated it. Jamal Hill, vacated it. Now we don't got a champion. And everybody's screaming like, yo, why don't they just make Alex versus Jan a fucking championship fight? I'm just like... I'm still over again over my dogging champ no more. Unfortunately, that is probably what all signs are pointing to. And that's the thing, though. This shit's in two weeks. What? Oh, their fight? Yeah. So, yeah. like, if they were going to announce that, they should. They just need to tell them boys so they can motherfucking start training for a five-round fight. No, definitely. They probably called them already. It's not on news or nothing, but it's probably definitely been in contact with them on, like, you don't think Yon called them, like, hey, bro, am I fine for the belt? There's a thing though, because you gotta remember, you haven't even heard the words Uncle Lion all year. Because Dana, because they pissed off the um, matchmaker. Because we always say Dana, but it's really the matchmakers, the hunters, the, the Sean Shelby, everybody that has to do with that team. But we're just gonna call them Dana. They pissed Dana off with that motherfucking um, draw. So, like, I don't think he's looking for Yon as a title contender. And I think Yuri's on the way back. They're saying that he's supposed to be back in like October, November type vibes. So they say Yuri's coming back. I think they make this fight the um a number one contender fight. And then the winner fights Yuri for the belt. But the crazy thing is if you haven't heard no like you just haven't they like style. Yeah, everything has been quiet. And the thing is, somebody, um somebody, I think it was Eric Hawani said that somebody somebody made a good point that if you Give them if you make this a championship fight on a card that everybody's already satisfied with, because you because then it starts making you think should it be the main event over the BMF? Like that's already a bunch of shit. But another thing is the fact that if they do that, then they have to pay them pay per view points. And then when they get to the fight with Yuri, that person the champion have to pay them pay per view points. Versus if they don't make this the fight and they make they 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 make that um vacant the vacant fight with um Yuri. The um, championship fight, they don't have to pay anybody no pay per view points at all. That's true. Yeah, but they would pay. That's what Dan and them are spinning their wheels on right now too. But they would have to. They would have paid. They probably they they would have paid no pay per view points to the lightweight champion in um twenty twenty three. And you know how them boys like to save some money. Yeah. No. I. I'm. I'm gonna be listening because I want to see what happens with this belt because it was a, like all of a sudden breaking news type the bomb on you like you like you're waking up and seeing that in the middle of the night. So fucking, I want to see him. Uh, no, I fell asleep. I didn't see that. I literally fell asleep like forty minutes, thirty minutes before that news dropped, and I was so mad because I was like, damn, I wish I would have been in the chats when that news was fresh. Because now I you know the morning is on to like something else. Nobody was even awake. I remember I was up when the news dropped, and I was like, that's fake. And then somebody put it in the chat, 
And we didn't talk about it until like 8 30, 9 o'clock in the morning. Damn. I wasn't up then. <laughs> but I mean, I won't, we'll see what happens with that belt. Shout out Jamal Hill for being real as fuck to even relinquish it and not hold on to it and like kind of you know, you, he could have been waiting months. He could have waited probably like three, six months and not have to defend his belt and no one really said much because everyone's still trying to figure out who the fuck the number one contender is. Yeah, that's real shit. And shout out, bro, but at the same time, just the look on his face, and I think it makes sense because he got the opportunity because of a blessing, because somebody vacated, you're vacated the belt, and then there was also a draw between Jan and Ankaliah. But my thing is... I don't know if they were if they were if they chose that. Like I'm starting to look back at the Yuri shit and I'm like, I don't know if he all the way chose that shit. He could have. But I feel like the UFC might have urged urged them like, yo, bro, like let's go ahead and boom, boom, boom. But I also don't know about that for sure because it's, the UFC has no problem making up a belt to especially an interim belt. But I don't know like why they haven't even attempted that for the lightweight. Um, light heavyweight division. I don't know. Maybe this shit stalled. Maybe there aren't that many hitters for real. But I just low-key turned my head a couple of times. So I tried not to think about it too much. But I don't know if they, this was a choice. I feel like this was like a it was their choice and then they were also urged into like yeah, come on, bro. Go ahead and get that up real quick. Well, it's only Tuesday as of this recording right now. So we haven't had, I feel like we still have a few days before we ever hear the UFC say anything. But if they're going to do something with the upcoming fight with Jan and them, we'll hear of that probably sooner. Yeah, they'll probably talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but let's get into the UFC fight night of the weekend. I mean, London, we're going back. It was great the first time, kind of, and this a couple other times. But we part of the reason why was because uh, fucking uh, people were getting injured in fights and shit, and the fights didn't live well. I think this this weekend, I think, can right the wrongs, mainly all because of my guy, Tom Aspinall, making his return. 364 days later, Paul, since he got hurt the first time. But it's crazy, because this is about to be a UFC London, and I think that first UFC London back after COVID that that kind of set the tone for how UFC London are expected, especially since we watch these fight cards at like 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Like, you don't know if you want to get an English breakfast or say, or wait till lunch and get some fish and chips. Like, you don't know. But that's the vibe. So I don't know. I don't know how this card's going to go, man. We got a lot of, like, split fights, to be honest, on this card. Like, really good even odds, which means – that even the bookmakers don't really know who's going to win this fight. So it should be a lot of fun action. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it, man. But what fight do you want to start first? Do you know, I just came from, I'm coming from my dog, Aspinall. My dog, Aspinall. I ain't seen him fight 364 days. Got to, got to, got to pull up, watch him fuck shit up and leave. I would say the prelims decent. Um, I mean, you got Kellen Vieira versus Kanizad. Kellen Vieira should win that fight um, and keep it pushing in the uh, division. And we broke on it kind of in the last episode on uh, when we recapped uh, the fight that maybe she fights against uh, Bruno Silva. Maybe she is one of those names that kind of sneaks into a title shot with uh, because she's in the top four right now also. But that fight is not that intriguing. I think the fight after that 
uh, Brian Barberina, who's a prelim superstar. <laughs> Big underdog against uh, Mu- uh, is Muradov. I'm trying to get his first name real quick. Makhmud Miradov. Makhmud. Makhmud. This one, I had a friend named from Egypt named Makhmud. Okay, Makhmud Miradov. Well, this fight, I'm, I'm already saying it's going to be fight of the night. I think they're going to get some bonuses here. I don't think this fight goes a decision. I expect a knockout. And Brian Barberina definitely has got a chin. He loves to bang it out. He's not going to shy away from the stand-up. But Miradov is some of the best crisp boxing there is in the UFC. Former team money, uh, the money team with Floyd. Um, so he's got boxing lessons with the best. So I know he's coming off a couple of losses. I know he lost to Chow Barallo, but Chow Barallo can wrestle. Like he just wrestles the fucks out of anybody, gets a name decisions. And then he got submitted by Gerard Mearshart. But Gerard Mearshart can submit anybody. Not too worried about Brian Barberina trying to shoot for a guillotine in this fight. So I like Miradov. If Brian Barberina is going to be willing to stand and bang, I just think Miradov going to be too clean, and it's going to be a very fun fight. But I think it will be over first or second round. I'm not gonna lie, to you. I'm not in the. I'm not in the Brian. Bar- as long as we've been podcasting, I've been seeing Brian Barberina get fucked up, and everybody, everybody puts so much respect on bro, and I just be like. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And then he loses. And I'd be like, why did I fall for this again? Because <laughs> I'm watching versus RDA. That wasn't close. And then motherfucking, he just lost to Gunner Nelson. And I was talking all that shit. <laughs> I like Gunner, though. Mm-hmm. And that karate stance, but then he'll submit the fuck out of you. Nah, for real. Shout out Gunny, man. But, yeah, I'm not on the Brian Barberian chain. I'm going to see what homie talking about. I mean, the prelims is pretty stacked with nice young talent, but nothing that's really going to make you put puts ass in seats. And so let's jump over to the main card. I mean, before we even break down these fights, my question, why the fuck is Molly Meatball co-main eventer, bro? Like, is it just the fact that, like, the people in London really fuck with her heavy? Does she really get that? Does she got that much love out in London to be a co-main eventer? Is she the Holly Holm of London? Bro, one thousand percent it was because of that spinning back elbow on the first that was on the first UFC line. She's been riding that one thousand percent. Like even even I was in this big screen. I love meatballs. Like one thousand percent. Don't get me wrong. She's probably one of the better um the better women's MMA fighters from London, but like from England. But like I'm not giving her too much all that. And fun fact. You know, Patty, Patty, um, Patty turned down the, his first two UFC contracts because he was getting paid more to fight in cage fighter than Molly was to fight in the UFC. But fun fact, that has nothing to do with anything. Hey, and um, but first fight we'll talk on here. Uh, I mean, it's not really nothing. I think this will be a fun fight. Jai Herbert versus Zayim. Uh, Ooh, my dog Jai Herbert. I got a lot of respect for Jai Herbert because he's the only person a motherfucker can make um to pull your flinch. He heard him. He was like he was like a th- he heard him, dropped him. If he so close to a finish, and like if that would have happened, but we might not be hearing about Taporia for another year or two. But yeah, other than that, I mean, you can't ride that forever. So he's a plus one forty five underdog to Zayim. Zayim's a French. She's like one of the French fighters. 
So you got the old class in Liverpool, England, going up against French. Uh, I don't know if that's really going to matter. But Herbert, I think, is pretty good. I don't know much about Zayim. I haven't watched much of his fighting. I do know that both of them have similar fighting styles of just like on staying away, not staying away, but like fighting from the outside and then not very much of shooting takedowns unless you're kind of in trouble. So I think it should be another little stand-up fight, but I just want to see Jaya Herbert because I want to see if that, if that Taporia shit was a fluke or if Jaya Herbert really is just like a unknown hitter that we just don't know about yet. Bro, my boy low-key with it, man. He just got to get his rhythm right. And then we got Paul Craig, plus 180, going up against Andre Munoz, minus 220. I don't know how I feel about Paul Craig right now. If early, Like last year, early last year, super Paul Craig fan. Rode Paul Craig heavy after the cryolop submission. Still was looking good, but his last fight with the butt scooting, getting, uh, like, got Getting, like he does, uh, was it the last fight with the butt screwing, or was it the last fight when he got knocked out? Um, with the boink, the fucking. Yes, I think might have been both. Oh no, the fight before was the um, was the butt screwing, and then he just fought in January on the um. Yeah, and then John he was asked with the boink, and that his that was some like cartoony ass hammer fist and <laughs> and Paul Craig was holding onto that leg for dear life. As Johnny Craig uh sent him to the shadow round. But yeah, Andre Munoz, he was on a big fight win streak, submitting at fucking anybody and everybody. And then he gets submitted by Brandon Allen, who is a hitter. So you can't reach like Brandon Allen's only been leveling up. But Andre Munoz before that was on a like a ten fight win streak. Yeah, about ten fight win streak. He submitted Jack Pierce Souza Souza, who's a who I think that was the first time he's been submitted ever, and which was a huge deal when it happened. And then he gets a good win over Eric Honor's submission, and then Uriah Hall, and then just happens to run into Brandon Allen, who was in the middle of leveling up. So it's like a submission artist against submission artist, which I don't maybe this is Paul Craig's money line might be kind of good here. Like as an underdog, if you're going up against somebody who likes to roll. Paul Craig, I kind of like that. I, I, I kind of like those odds. I don't know. Is Paul, what, did Paul Craig fight his last fight at um, 205? Yeah, he fought Johnny Walker, so yeah, he fought at 205. So this is returning to middleweight. I can't remember why he took that fight. I don't know if he was a film. I know it was, I think it was just set up like that, but I don't know why he went to light heavyweight. It was probably because he looked so bad at the other one or Johnny Walker's fighter probably fell out. I can't remember. Because he, he's, he's always fought at middleweight. I don't know why he took the light heavyweight. I cannot recall. Both, both the fight, both his last two fights were out on light heavyweight. And the fight with Krylov, I think, was on middleweight. No, because he fought Jamal Hill, too. So, yeah, he's been a light heavyweight for a little minute. Oh, so this is just his first fight at middleweight. I didn't even realize he's moving weight classes. Yeah. He's been, yeah, he's been a light. Yeah, he even fought Uncle Iam in 2018. Yeah, no, right. No, no, this is a little tipsy. I'm, that's right. He is a light heavyweight. I I just kept reading middleweight, and I just kept picturing him. Yeah, he's a middleweight. Dang. How do you think he's going to look? You think he's going to have some power in there? He's not a stand-up fighter, so I don't even, I don't even think that matters. He's not crisp enough to, I think, really deliver some power punches. And Andre Munoz can stand up. He got the southpaw stance. But they both, I think, I just like the odds of it. it's going to hit the mat. And if it hits the mat, Paul Craig can submit anybody. 
Yeah, man. I don't know. Well, now I'm kind of interested to see what Paul, what Paul Craig about to do in the middle of it, especially as an underdog. Yeah, I mean, if I the only way I think he'll win this is by submission. So, as always, if you're going to bet Paul Craig, bet via submission. That's real. And then Nathaniel Goodwood is taking on Andre Feely. Pause. <laughs> no, nah, but you got to say that nickname every time. But Nathaniel, two to one favorite. He was a prospect. He was like on the early prelims as a super prospect in the first UFC London from COVID. And he's kind of rose himself up into the um the main card here. So I mean, it's a good little story. Andre Feely's a good test at featherweight, kind of like a he got good. He likes to shoot takedowns. He can get them, can stay on top, good top control. And he's kind of good with using his range. And Nathaniel Woods kind of got the short arms of the featherweight. So I want to see how he looks against somebody who might be able to keep him at a distance. But, I mean, he's a two-to-one favorite for a reason. He should he should show out. But this is a fight where, I don't know, I might be feeling Andre Philly. This is the first big test for Nathaniel Woods. But Andre Philly is 5'11 compared to Nate Woods 5'6. The reach advantage is five inches. Like, if he fights on the outside, he has great. This, this, and he has, oh, not Nate, Nate Wood looking to kill him with striking. But, like, if he could just keep his striking together, I don't know. Tip, go shoot a, shoot a takedown and see, I don't know. This could be cold crazy. And uh, I believe they both have wins over Charles Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> we had Nate Wood, Justin Amos, decision, Charles, Air Jordan, and Andre Philly got the split decision win over him. And then he lost to Bryce Mitchell, who is a good little hitter. Got a draw, got another loss, and then uh, got a nice little win. We're not even going to talk about Bryce Mitchell because he did just post a picture with him with um, the alien, the, um, the 10 for 11 set, cutting off so the aliens came. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, we're not even going to talk about my dog. But I didn't mean to cut you off. I what you were saying. Nate Wood. I was just saying, like, as a, I think this might be kind of the stage might be a little too big for Nathan Wood. And the guy, I see a chance for Philly to win. So, like, I kind of like the plus 170 underdog here. I'm just, I'm not going to make it my official pick, but just know I might be sprinkling something myself, my personal wallet on that. I'll do a personal all day, not even the betting funds. But yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, I'll trust Nate Wood on this one. He's just Nate Wood to me. No good. So, motherfucking. Yeah, I trust. I like the little motherfuckers at featherweight. You know, I'm a big vote guy. So let's see if he can um, he can show that he can just step up to the test. And then we got Molly Meatball, like I said, co-main event against Georgia Storlin Rinko. And I was gonna say something, but I saved it till we got to this fight about it. it was a uh, yeah, that she's riding the wave of that spinning back elbow. Well, she started the UFC in 2018. Like she, they, she's not some rising prospect. We kind of know what we got with her. So for her to still be getting these co-main events, it's kind of just nutty to me. And they be feeding her cans. Like, I don't know Jack Squiddly Dot about this Georgia Skorinski that's 10, 8, and 2. Yeah, bro. And I don't think she's even a flyweight for us. She said that her fucking weight class is 139. Bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. Like, where are, they, where are they getting these? Where is this her first UFC fight? I'm going to feel bad if it is. Uh, she's literally 0-3. She's been on um, KO three times. Bro, she is one and four, and the one win is against Jessica Rose Clark, who I, everyone is begging the UFC to. I think she got kicked out the UFC in her last fight. Which, oh wow! Yeah, so like, yeah, 
this is going to be, you're feeding a, like, I'm hammering Molly Meatball here, and then she's going to look good, and she's probably going to put on a fake belt again. I'm crying. She's only, she's a, she's a minus 210. Damn. Yeah, it's not average for, 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 for pulling someone out like this to fight her, where they know what the matchmaker's doing here. I'm hammering that. That's going into all parlays. That is an all parlay type of money line. Right. And I just can't imagine if she actually did get fucked up, I would die laughing. <laughs> it's a win, but I doubt it. I either win I, money or I see Molly get beat up. I was and you know, the worst part is, I bet you she goes for that spinning elbow twice, at least twice. And it might land. It really might land. It might land, but homegrown big as shit compared to her. I've kind of got the reach, so I feel like she might whiff the first one. It looks <laughs> she go whiff because yeah, if you just hit three in a row and you whiff three times in a row, bro, you just look silly out there. The main event, the biggest fight. I mean, this like I said, this card's not the stacked, but they, it has a fucking it has a fucking main event that could main event probably a lot of cards if it's in his return. Tom Aspinall minus four fifty on the money line against Marcin Tibera plus three fifty. We hit on it earlier. This is basically a full year since we've seen him in his fight against Curtis Blades. Homie's been working. He's back July twenty second. What are we expecting out of Tom Aspinall in his first fight back? I'll, I'll be the guy that says it. So nobody else wants to bring this up. Nobody else is gonna say it. Bro, this man Tom Aspinall doesn't have a passport. Nobody wants to say nothing. <laughs> Only fights in London. Uh, I understand he's the biggest draw right now. He's probably been a bigger draw than Leon Edwards. But they don't never book him for nothing but London. Ever. <laughs> ever. That's true. I didn't even think of that. Right. Tom Aspinall doesn't have a passport, dog. <laughs> Tom, As- Tom Aspinall's on the no-fly list. <laughs> but... I'm so happy. Tyson Fury's ass that stays at home for everything. I'm so happy for my dog, man. It's been three Saturday mill making three hundred and sixty four days, Paul, since the month since he got hurt. I'm hoping he puts on a performance, gets him up out of there in the first round. He's literally a plus four fifty, a minus four fifty favorite. Like, what the fuck? Please fuck this man up, Tom. I'm kind of weary on that big favorite because it's such a big money line for someone we haven't seen fight 364 days coming off a bad injury. And Myson Tarbira has kind of been on his second win in the UFC, if you would say, because he started all the way back in 2016, strung a couple wins, then a couple losses to Fabricio Werdum and Derek Lewis, both were hitters. Then this is like 2018 time, Derek Lewis, too. He gets a couple Ooh. losses to legend Shamil Abdukarimov and uh, Augusto Sakai. But then in 2020, he strings together five straight wins, two via knockout. He knocked out Greg Hardy, knocked out Walt Harris, beat Ben as <laughs> well, beat Sergey Spivak. Then. Oh, then he loses to Alexander Volkov via decision. But then he follows up with a win over Alexander Romanov and Blagoy of Ivanov. So here we are now. I mean, in his last since 2020, he is seven and one. Hmm. 
kind of on his second wind, I would say. But Tom Aslan is definitely the, the best fighter he's fought. I mean, you saw what Tom Aslan did to Volkov. But this is his first fight back, and I just want to see. I'm not saying that he's going to lose because he, he looked like a world beater when he was healthy. But just these odds are kind of massive for somebody we haven't seen fight in a year. I didn't know he was um, accomplished like that. I fuck with homie. I, I now I see that he earned this fucking um title spot. This this um this main event spot, even though he um and it's not just Tom Aspinall coming back, but now I want to see what he do. What's he what's he special? Is he a striker? He he's kinda all over the places. He has good takedowns. He um, doesn't submit usually, just gets on top and controls. So pretty decent clinch wrestling. And then he likes to strike, but he's not like Tom Aspinall. Tom Aspinall has like seven and a half strikes per minute. Like he's like Tom Aspinall's a speedy striker. Tom Aspinall's got the judo, got all that. But the thing about Tiberius, like when he's fought Spivak, who also is really good at judo, was stopping all of them. Alexander Romnibov, who we just seen manhandle Blagoy and was like 17 and two or whatever, like he was able to stop his takedowns. He was Blagoy, he beat him as well. So, like, yes, Volkov outboxed him for three rounds. If Aspinall just straight up boxes him, he probably going to beat him for five rounds. Maybe get a KO. But Tibera, if he's trying to shoot takedowns, I could see him stuffing some takedowns on Aspinall. Like, this might be that first time where Aspinall isn't getting everything he wants. Especially with the injury, I think you never know what that plays on people when coming, especially first fight back. There's always like you hear a ring rust, and then also got injury, like add the ring rust plus coming back from injury. So I just want to see this. I think this fight at first I thought it was gonna be a steamroll fight, but then the more I thought about it, the more I did more looking into Tibera and everything, remembering the fights, I'm like, oh shit, I did see this fight. Oh shit, I saw this one too. I was like, oh yeah, like this guy's been. Looking pretty damn good whenever I've been watching the fight. So, like, it kind of was like, hmm, these odds are kind of massive. Maybe I still would say Asmol's the favorite, but I would put him instead of 450, probably like minus 280, minus 300. Like, beer plus 250, plus 220. Yeah, 450 is kind of crazy for somebody that's been um, stringing along the amount of wins he has. But I do agree with you that um, I think this is the fight that Tom Asmol doesn't get everything he wants. I think, like, I've only seen him fight against Volkov, and that's literally exactly what he did. So, um... Split second. Yeah, so, like, I think this is the fight that, um... But I just think Tom Aspinall is just an electric fucking fighter. I think he's going to go in there. He's going to find a way to win. And it's five rounds. Like, I like him to try to get him up out of there at two or three. Yeah, and, uh, Tiberius is 37 years old. But he's always kind of fit. So, like, I don't think he's ever had a five-round fight. So, this would be very interesting to see. And Aspinall hasn't either. But at least he was scheduled for most the two five-round fights. Both mm-hmm. of them ended in the first round. He had a train for both of them. Oh, I'm wrong. When he fought for Brizio Word Doom, it was a five-round fight. And it went to decision. So, he's had at least one. So, he's had experience at five rounds. And a lot of his three-round fights do go to decision. So... Tiberius, this is a good test, I would say, especially for your return. Tiberius top 15. I don't know exactly where he's ranked in the heavyweight. Probably in the top 10 area, like in a 10-9 area. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a good test. I fuck with it. And then this just starts putting, because after Sergei Pavlovich, I don't see nobody like, nobody really ahead of Tom. Uh, Tom As- a streak in Tom Aspinall. Curtis Blade knocked him out. 
a streaky, a streaky. So like if Tom, if he oh. was oh. nobody, nobody being that, and we're not even gonna get into that. But um, a streaky Tom Aspinall, motherfucking. I don't see nobody besides Pavlovich that can like fucking be num being um title contention. Yeah, I, I, either. I think Curtis Blades trying to poke. I think it might be a Curtis Blades versus Pavlovich with a vacant title type shit did after he, the Jones fight. Didn't he just lose? I could be wrong. I think he lost to Pavlovich. Oh yeah, but we might just have to. Maybe we'll just see the instead of the rematch. Maybe we'll see the Aspinall if he. It all depends on how he looks here. If you look, is either this fight's a stepping stone to that title that title belt, or this is a question mark or fight afterwards? I can respect you, but shout out my boy Tom Aspinall. We missed you. We're back. We're, we're glad you're back, man. You're going across the pond. And I'm telling you, I'm going to be at a Tom Aspinall fight in London because because we don't come to America. So it's going to be Gucci. Just wait on it. But before we get out of here, Paul, man, ultimate fighter. I, how many episodes you don't watch? <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. This episode was not terrible. I've been watching it while we've been recording, low key. Motherfucking my boy T Connor finally got a fucking dub with his um dude. I want to say he's Spanish, but bro, motherfucking he low key was there was a fucking back and forth bloodbath of a fucking first mm -hmm. round. And then my dog, Con dude on, on Connor's team, catches him, boom. And then brings back the double hammer fists of from God. I did oh, see that. Goodness. King Kong style. Facts on his fucking skull, kid. Herb Dean immediately called out the fight. Herb Dean said, I don't know. We're not even going to play that no more. So, yeah, shout out Connor's team and finally getting a fucking W. I still don't know how they move on from this because it's like one versus motherfucking one versus three. Oh, after right this now. is not going to be teams anymore. That one's going to be like bracketed, I believe. Yeah, we'll see how that shit goes. Because I think the next two fighters are two people on the same team. So I'm, I'm from Team Chandler. Because that's the only way it works. But um, the ultimate fighter, I'm still giving it up. It's a little bit above mid. This 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 fight wasn't this fight was cool. They get you and, buzzed. Um, and Connor motherfucker running around this, the octagon happy as fuck. That's pretty cool. But I can't forget that the fucking fights to get onto the show were fucking lit. Like the first episode was fire. It's like I think it's crazy that everybody hates the shit because I'm like, dang, like, or like niggas aren't tapped in at all. Cause I'm like. The first episode is the reason why I keep watching because I did see these dudes put on great performances. It was like one of them animes where they drop a bomb on the first episode, but then like the episode two to five is kind of mid, and it's like, damn, I kind you got me hooked on that first one. I'm over here for the ride. It's, it's more like episode two through seven, but motherfucking. Well, like, <laughs> thirty minutes? Though. Are they thirty or an hour? Oh, we're going fifty nine minutes, I think. But I watched, I just watched it like 14 episodes in mid. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Anime I talk. Think, I think it's like 42 or 45. I think it's like 42 or 45 without the commercial. But you did say there's the last episode, and what I saw, it did look like a banger. From yeah, this shit was pretty nice. And now, and then Dana had to interview niggas afterwards and shit. So I don't know. It's just, 
I'm tapped in. I'm I'm watching next week. Yeah, so it's like episodes. So they're one hour episodes. That's like the first three episodes of Banger. That's then you hit like a mid patch for like ten episodes, but then episodes like fourteen and eighteen through eighteen bangers right there. That's just bad. That's just bad. That's just said they have fourteen episodes of mid. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. But oh man, anything else you got for them folks? Before they move on to the, you might do. You know the, all the winners' names, kind of. Or do you have someone that you can pick right now that's left that you think is going to win it all? Brad Katana. He's won it before. Brad Katana. He was the one that was arguing with Michael Chandler about seeing more film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he could have said, I feel like you got to be like, also like, okay, can I come watch? Whenever y'all do y'all's film study, can I join along? So it's not more work on them type shit. Like, then you look like you're trying to over like okay yeah pull up like you we, you can hear the shit we're saying together but his ass is talking about like yeah bro like you do some extra shit I would jam like that like he's stupid like, no nah, the thing about him is that he's already won this shit before so he knows like all the tactics he feels like and he's just trying to do stuff that he didn't do the first time like also like in training and sparring they say he never goes like full like one hundred percent or like really really tries to show any of his moves because he like which is smart if your fucking team is literally skunking the other team because he doesn't want people to see, like, his full potentials and shit. And, like, he's fucking, yeah, he's fucking. So that that fucking um interview, like, him, that back and forth between him and Michael Chandler was, like, the epitome of everything that he's doing in the show. That's why I'm rooting for bro. All right. Brad, he's the only one I can re- remember, too. So I was like, that's the guy I was going to pick, but I can't pick. I'll find somebody else. I ain't going to lie to you. Me and Dana both picked, like, originally picked niggas from Team Connor that got fucking killed in the first round type shit. Like, I thought that was crazy. Dana Dana picked somebody from Team Connor, got killed in the first round. I picked a nigga from Team Connor, killed in the first round. Shit was funny. So I'm not even making no big picks, but I wouldn't want to see Brad Katana. He's the one that's impressed me the most. All right, well, shit. That's a nice little run through with Tuff. Yeah, it's been a vibe, man. But we got to get the truck up out of here, you feel me? I got to go slide to Tennessee because we worked in the Hall of Fame this weekend. He's Paul, a big beer fan. Yeah, this is me talking. See, it's, it's politically incorrect for me to tell you to kill yourself. So I'm not going to tell you to kill yourself. So don't kill yourself, Paul. But I don't agree with that statement you said. So... <laughs> Big Volunteer <laughs> fan, bro. Ain't no one even questioned it, bro. I was like, damn. Bro, like, there's not a fat-ass motherfucking gator. I was like, ain't everyone else in here a gator fan? Ain't no one saying nothing. That's crazy. <laughs> but, hey, man, that boy Kawul got big things coming, man. Make sure you tune in for the fucking boxing because Arrow Spence versus Crawford is coming soon. We got the pre-fight episode dropping with you, the preview and all the recap don't feel so good when Spence get that dub. But in the meantime, I don't mind telling you again that my name's Kevin Waterboy Savoy. I'm in this bitch with Paul Pick and Winham Thompson, just a drunk gambler. And this has been a Totally Brits podcast. And if you didn't know, that dude behind you, yeah, look at him, is a beast.